to The Recognition. My name is Neely. I'm here with Kaylee Savona. Kaylee, happy 4th. Happy 4th. We love the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. And I actually have a summer yes. related question for you. I love this. Okay. Okay. So ice cream truck coming, coming by. It's a hot July day. You're a kid again. What's the go-to ice cream? I was an incredibly simple child. Um, the ice cream sandwich did it for me. Me too. But like the cookie sandwich or like the classic like bar oh i think it's the bar okay the bar is good i was more of the cookie ice cream sandwich okay that was too um <laughs> large right so <laughs> if you put too much you know if your cookies are too big then can you get your mouth all the way around the yeah. thing i just love how like nom 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 like you just go through that classic rectangular Both ice cream so sandwich good. plus you get like the leftovers on your Ooh, fingers yeah i mean nice some licks I mean, that's on pretty the fingers. good yeah love it so uh, obviously it's a holiday uh, for us. Uh, we will be playing a little a replay for you. One of our favorite episodes. One of our favorite people, really. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Brown, our latest conversation with him. We're going to uh, reprise that, but not for like random reasons. Uh, next week, we will be at HR Unite in Frankenmuth, Michigan, where Steve Brown uh, will be the keynote speaker uh, for that event. So excited to see Steve again. Always a great time to see him speak. Uh, and then obviously, you know, these conversations that we have with him are, are enlightening. Um, so happy 4th of July, everybody. Here is Steve Brown. So, um, Steve, what we typically do every like three or four weeks is we could just call it a chit chat where it's like kind of an informal, like we don't have notes pulled up. We don't have like a study that we're going through. Um, so I think I'd just like to, to chat with you. Will you have a chit chat with me? I would love to have a chit chat with you. Okay. It'd be great. Perfect. So Kaylee's here as well. I think what's interesting is, um, you know, I was like rattling off this list of things that. Do you think we could talk about it? And I think it was mostly aimed at um, expectations in a workplace, how maybe um, early in career folks, I don't want to turn it into a generational thing. I think it's um, young professionals and how they treat work, how they treat people at work, how they feel their work, how they carry that through their lives. And, and I think I, um, I stumbled upon a couple of buzzwords that maybe got you going a little bit. So um, perhaps, uh, you know, as, as I'm characterizing some of these, you know, ideas of, um, you know, people ghosting and quiet quitting and the great resignation and like all these big words, like, can you explain the, your take on the, like your, um, your perspective on this and how we are characterizing these trends, uh, at work? I hate, I hate them all. Uh, and, and this go. is, and this is why and I know it's visceral. It's very emotional for me. I don't think we need to have crisis phrases in order to do great HR or help to find the workplace for new people in the workplace, mid-career people in the workplace, or people at the end of their career in the workplace. Uh, it confuses people. Uh, ghosting, I didn't show up. Okay, well, that stinks, but okay. Uh, you know, great resignation. Oh, people are changing jobs and managing their career. That's crazy. Uh, 
quiet hiring. Oh my gosh, we're not going to tell Kaylee that we hired her and Neely won't know. It's silly. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't help us get credibility in the industry or in the workforce. And what's really sad is HR keeps trying to chase the validity as business people instead of saying we're business people, period. And this is how we can help define the workplace, help culture, enhance things, positive things, uh, instead of crisis things. Is that almost, um, do, you, do you feel like it's a cop-out? Like it's, a, it's an excuse as to why these things are happening? And well, it's a trend that's sweeping the nation. It's not just at our workplace. Or like, how, how, do, how do you think, like, what, where's this coming from? I, I think people respond to dirt. It's like the Don Henley song. Kaylee, Don Henley was part of the Eagles and the Eagles. I, the I do know of- that. I okay. promise. <laughs> I'm All a right. little bit cultured. <laughs> but but uh, Don Henley wrote the song in the 80s, Dirty Laundry. And, uh, you know, the news, the social media is and clickbait on, so- on social media is, you know, let's come up with the phrase that gets the most attention. Whether it has merit or not, it gets eyes on things. It gets people talking. There is something underneath it. There's absolutely context and validity underneath it. However, you're not talking about the issue. You're just something, getting something to make me react. And that's what we're getting. Yeah, I agree with you. I also have one more phrase that I'm curious about since we're talking about all these buzzwords and buzz phrases. So work-life balance, because I think that that one is kind of funny because it's like, sounds nice, right? Like you're balancing things. But that means that work and life are at odds with each other. And so I've heard this new one come up that's like work-life integration. So I just want to hear your take on, is that worse? Is that better? Like, what do you think about those phrases? <laughs> I, I think it's worse. It's it's life. During life, you're at times you're doing work. At times you're doing stuff with your kids. At times yeah. you're shopping. At times you're wasting time on Netflix. It's, a, it's just how you use your time. We keep trying to put labels on everything. It's really ironic. Let's label everything, although we want to have people accepted for who they are, where they are, how they are. But let's make sure it's labeled. I find most labels are made to confine or give clarity or perceived clarity instead of saying, hey, Kaylee, uh, you know, people want flexibility. They don't want balance. Mm -hmm. They want flexibility. When you talk about, Neely, the new people in the workforce, the thing I love about it is they're coming in saying, I demand flexibility. That's a baseline. When I started in the workforce is I'd like benefits. Now, benefits, if I don't have benefits, I'm not going to look at you. But the next benefit is flexibility. That will provide whatever balance is for you. Because it's funny, in our company, we have no set schedules in the office, none. So in my team, I have people that all have one day at home, but we did it before hybrid was even a word. Uh, if you want to work at home, great. Now, do I want it all the time? No, but this is why. This is how I need you to work, and I define the expectations. Uh, but I came in today a little later because I had a meeting in the morning off-site, and I get to talk to you guys, and then I'm going to go home later. It's not so rigid. We keep trying to come up with these terms to bring rigidity to flexibility, and it's just counterintuitive. Yes, I guess 
trying to add rigidity to flexibility does feel a little counterintuitive. It's like it's it's loose, but not that loose. Like let's let's be real. Um, so how much of this is being driven by, you know, the idea that we as employees have choices and where we can work, um, and that sort of fear of competition is changing the things that employers are offering to be more competitive for great talent, right? Because you have basically the entire world uh, that you're competing with from an employee base. It's no longer geographically limited as uh, to where you're working. So, you know, the idea that flexibility is table stakes is because, well, if you're not going to offer me that, there's another company that is right over here that I can go and work for. So, you know, driving um, some of these trends and what the expectations are, it's... I guess I'm I'm lost in where I'm trying to get with this, but um, you know, trying to define all of these things might not be in our best interest because, like, it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I think you have to say this is what we can offer as a company. This is what I can offer you. And if somebody says, "Well, I want this, this, and this," you go, "Great. This is what I can offer." Well, you know, you're going to miss out on me. You weren't here before. Uh, what what uh, job seekers pe- don't understand is, and, and I talked to a ton of people who are in transition, and people don't like to hear hear this harsh reality, whether it's new people entering the workforce or those later in the workforce, is and a company doesn't have to hire you. At the same time, you don't have to join the company. So we have to have a better relationship of this is what we offer. Companies need to be more transparent, honest, and upfront about what it is here's when you work here here's what it's like and if that's cool with you let's give this a shot and that's about as far as it goes now let's give you 35 years let's give this a start and then go from there as an employee coming into the company if you say well i want to add value we go well you're not going to add value for the first year and a half well then make the choice and be an adult and go i don't want to work there It's a relationship between two parties. It's not one-sided. A lot of the catchphrase talk is, so what should employers do? If they would just be honest and be themselves, then the right people will come. HR needs to say, are we being open? Are we being diverse? Are we being intentional? Are we being equitable? Those are bottom line foundational pieces. Past that, now it's just like it's an attractive thing. Like, hey, why don't you come see us and try us out? So we're talking about all these different things. Like there's a million companies out there because you can work anywhere now. And we're all competing. Employers are competing for employees and almost vice versa. There's just so many options. This might be a little bit of a deeper question, but do you think that part of so much turnover today and like with young people especially is that we think here's another phrase for you, that the grass is greener on the other side. Like that idea that once you're at an employer, even if it's good, you're like, but what if, like, I see that, that Google type employer over there. And like, I, I want that. Or I just, I think about these other options elsewhere. I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And what's funny is uh, I, I was talking about this recently with somebody else. Employers have missed the mark. We believe talent acquisition is getting you in the door. Talent starts once you start. Mm -hmm. You should bring talent to the table. And then once you're here, it should be everything that you want. But the thing that's changing by employees, which is a great thing about this whole great resignation thing. uh, It hurts to even (laughs) say it. Is this. 
um, employers need to realize we have you for a period of time. And while you're here, we want you to kill it, thrive and go crazy. So that when you have that grass is greener discussion, you know who you are, where you stand and how you perform at my company. If you know those three things and you still choose to leave, I'm gonna support you and say, thank you, Kaylee, for the time you were here. Employers don't do that. We get hacked. We're like, oh, Kaylee left us. What are we gonna do? Well, we gotta replace her. Well, do you? See, our company's having bigger discussions of who do we really need? What are they gonna do? How can we make sure they contribute? If we anchor you instead of engage you, you'll stay. If we engage you, it's just I entertain you. And then you might go to Google because they have sleep pods or whatever they're doing now. It, cool. That's fine. You know, uh, but my thing is anchoring is far more important than engagement. Engagement just keeps you, is the next fluffy thing. Hey, it's Milkshake Friday. You know, or Paisley shirt every day, which it should be. Uh, you know, those types of things are fun and cultural, but they don't anchor you. People want that personal connection so that if I go to the next company, I go, am I going to get that same personal connection? Maybe the grass isn't greener over there. So, Steve, you you brought up, uh, I know this is a passionate subject for you because I think we talked about this last time. So the word connection, um, that's kind of the magic that creates, you know, long-term employees that creates high-performing team cultures, those kind of things. Um, what, I guess, what's your take, what's your opinion uh, on the role of hybrid workforce or remote employees in creating that personal connection with their team? Do you think it is possible um, what were the keys to making that a reality so that, you know, you don't have sort of this idea of the other, uh, because some people are out and fully remote and I never see them. I might see them once a year at a, at an annual get together or something like that. Uh, but there's no sense of connection. Um, talk, talk a little bit about how hybrid remote would impact a personal connection with the people at work. I, I think it's an interesting fabric of the workplace now. So my answer is this. Intentionality is the key. It's funny, I've had been on things like this, like we're on a Teams call or I'm on a Zooms call and people go, well, I'm not gonna put my picture up anymore. To me, that is scaring me to death because my thing is, I and I don't care that you're doing other stuff, if that's the worry. My thing is, why? what's keeping you from us from seeing each other? And, uh, or they'll say, you know, I have uh, online fatigue or stuff like that. And I challenge that all the time. I'm like, that just means your meetings are boring. And they were boring before. So now that they're really boring, let's just turn the camera off and we'll all talk to a wall. Employers need to be intentional to say, Neely matters to me. Kaylee matters to me. They know that. Not, it's not some theoretical thing. They know that. So do offline things like, hey, let's just have a check-in. Let's get on and not talk about work. And I'm not talking about like an online social or all those cool things. Those are fun. But my thing is, hey, you know, if I saw you in the hall, Neely, I'd be saying, how's it going? Everything you need. And it doesn't have to be, what are you doing outside of work? It's work stuff. Uh, you know, are you able to work with Steve? Or or it seems like you guys are in, in an impasse. The same conversations I would have in person in the past, you make sure those happen online on a regular basis. And uh, if there are those who manage others, 
if they're not willing to be intentional and be others focused, they should not be allowed to have people. Period. And I know that's awful. And most people will disagree because, you know, I'm talented and I should have others. No, if you're not really others focused to make sure I'm connected, to make sure I'm engaged, that I'm contributing. But no, you can't be in charge of people. Yeah, I think there's plenty of organizations that fall into the trap of, well, the topic selling performer gets the raise and gets the team. Like it's not necessarily reflecting a leadership ability or leadership interest or any of those things. It's just, well, you're the best at this job. So, hey, here's this raise and now here's a team. Um, that's that's probably a trap. And I, I, as I was listening to you, it was like, you know, how much of that then if you have, I'm not going to, I'll use the word weak leader, but you know, whatever. Um, how much of that, if they are trying to be intentional, can come off as that inauthentic sort of those engagement tactics where I'm going to book a time with you to connect, right? Versus like, can you just be like a real person and like check in with me authentically versus like, it's just another appointment on your calendar? Right. Uh, we do this crazy thing at our work. Uh, we have a uh, uh, an expectation that you can't just call me, okay? You're not allowed to. You text somebody and go, Keely, time for a call? And Keely can say, I can't do it right now. Those little subtle check-ins shows me I'm thinking of you. I need to talk to you. I'm telling you what I'm doing. But you always ask first. It's just like if you were in the office and you knock on the door. If there's a door or the cube, you go, you got a sec? Those little things go miles. And doing that, I can talk to you at any time for any reason. Putting on the calendar, if you're a, I have some very structured people, and they're like, can, can we set up time? I'm like, we can, but I'd rather just stop by. Now, I, I can see you Tuesday at 10. Okay, well, at Tuesday at 10, it's on. You know, so you, you, can, you can have that structure if it's really to accommodate conversations. If it's a task, uh, then no. One of the other nuances we've been doing is we've been more diligent about when and how we meet and how often we meet. So what we did, we said, is if you are in these meetings, this is part of your job now from now on. It's not I go to a meeting or I have to go to a meeting. It's this is part of my daily thing or my weekly thing. So now we have people going, hey, man, see you Tuesday at the meeting, da-da-da-da-da. In the past, it was a freaking meeting, you know, <laughs> or, oh, I'm having my check-in. They really don't care. You know, I'm writing stuff underneath the thing. They don't see it happening. You have to set the culture and the expectation of the human side of what you do, and you can do it any way you want. Yeah, I love that intentionality. What was that? I just saw an article of a company that cut down like 230,000 hours of meetings or something crazy. So, yeah, I love that intentionality aspect. Um, well, Steve, I have just kind of one more chit-chat burning question on my end. And because, you know, you're the connection guy and we're talking about connection and intentionality, I want to talk to you about, I want to hear your take on the UKG report that came out saying that managers have a greater influence on employee mental health than therapists or doctors. Um, and the same influence as spouses and partners, like equal. So this is huge, this idea that managers can influence mental health that much. So I want your take on that. Is that too much pressure? Is that a lot of pressure leaders have to think about 
um, the ways they could negatively impact? Or is this more of an opportunity? Is it like I can positively influence my people? I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I think it depends how it's framed. If you say, your pe- do your people matter to you? Do they truly matter? Or, is it, or, or how do they matter? Um, if it's, you know, if they show up, they matter. Well, that's, that's a pretty low bar. You know, if it's, uh, I know they matter because, and they can fill in that thing. Then you say, okay, understand, you know, you're with Steve 40 hours a week, 30 hours a week, whatever, 50 hours a week. Do you understand that when you talk, this has this kind of impact? Do you understand when you frame things or get emotional is this type of impact? And I think the other piece to help people so it's not pressured is quit talking in third person. And by that, I mean, we talk about those people in, pick the department, those people in IT, those people in finance. And you go, well, what about you? I just had a conversation with the executive this week and I said, how many times do people here disappoint you? She goes, oh, jeez, you know, because it just opened the, the floodgates. Uh, you know, I said, how many times a day? She's like, oh, my gosh. And I said, well, how about in an hour? Oh, and she's losing <laughs> her mind. Now, here's what's really fun. How many times have you disappointed others? And she goes, oh. See, other people, it's other people's issues. It's other people's well-being. No, the issue is well-being. So if we want well-being, people need to matter. And we need to talk about it as together, not you or them. Third-person stuff just doesn't cut it. Yeah. I think I, I at one point I did a, a little um, – we do these things at the beginning of the podcast where it's kind of like just these like thought starters. And it was like, um, yeah, your third person is like traffic. Like I'm complaining about traffic. Without realizing, like you are in, you are the traffic. You You're are part, part of, of the, the problem. Um, so yeah, that's it's a little introspective. Like uh, yeah, no, you are you are actively living and are uh, a part of this and can contribute to making a difference. Mm-hmm. So um, that's awesome. Well, Steve, I, I appreciate your time as always, sir. Um, you know, I, great takes. Even if you hate the words um, and and the titles that we give to things, uh, at, at least we can come together and, and discuss, you know, the, the real trends, the real issues, the, the things that are going on and give some people some practical advice into how they can make a difference. Absolutely. It's always fun to talk to you guys. It makes my day. I won't, I won't quietly quit later. <laughs> Back at you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us today. And special thanks to The Fracture and Jay Matthews for their original music. Stay tuned for more episodes coming out every week that will touch on the topics that are important to HR and people leaders like you. If you have any recommendations or feedback, or if you are looking to partner on creating a more engaging recognition program, you can contact us at podcast at And as always, thank you.